Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. You know, I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social Index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis, and they have a look-back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the Social Index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Allen. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. For all of us, it's about predicting where the consumer is going and getting half of it right. One of the things we want to do is create ads that don't suck. Embracing change creates great possibility. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Today on the show, I'm talking to Mike Sinakrub, co-founder and CEO of Farm and Oven. Mike started his path in CPG in early days with General Foods, which ultimately became Kraft. He spent a number of years at Campbell's, then became CMO at Hertz, the auto rental company, and then made a leap back to CPG with Campbell's becoming their CMO. And most recently has left big corporate America to start his own startup with his co-founder, Kay Allison, called Farm and Oven. Today we talk about innovation in CPG, his move to the new startup, where he is today in that new venture, and uh, what he thinks the future of marketing is going to hold. Well, Mike, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Alan. It's good to be here. Well, it's good to talk to you again. Um, I think we're, a great place to start would be talking about your career path from early days in CPG um, to making the CMO role at Hertz back to CPG with Campbell's Soup, and, and now you're an entrepreneur. So tell us a little bit about this career path that you followed. Sure. Um, I, get, I would say I, I have a, a classic CPG marketing foundation, having worked for several CPG companies, um, you know, mostly in the food business, right? Kraft, General Foods, Nabisco, Campbell's, um, 
and kind of a number of marketing and general management roles. Uh, I guess it all started when I finished business school and started my career at General Foods. Um, soon that became Kraft General Foods. Um, and my first brand assignment was Cool Whip, um, which was just a great brand to start on and learn on and um, had, a, had a lot of fun with that. Um, since then, I've had the opportunity to work on some great brands like Oreo and Ritz and Campbell Soup and Goldfish Crackers, um, to name a few. Um, after, Cam after General Foods, I, I went to Campbell's um, for three or four years, then on to Nabisco. Um, and while I was at Nabisco, which then became part of Kraft, Seems like there's a little bit of a pattern there. Um, I progressed. <laughs> I progressed into general management roles, um, running running the salted snacks division, which Planners Nuts was the big brand. Um, then running the four billion dollar Nabisco biscuit division, um, as well as my first global role, um, heading up global snacks, um, confections, cookies, crackers on a on a global basis. Um, and then after twelve years, uh, I left to become the CMO at Hertz. Um, so it was a great time for me to step outside of the food business and really accelerate my learning curve. Um, it was a new industry. It was a big role. It was on the executive team working for the, the directly for the CEO. And, and I felt like there was a lot of growth upside in the company. Um, we did have a great run. Um, and I, I gained a lot from the Hertz experience. We built the business. Um, we worked in a much more digital first and e-commerce environment, environment than where than where CPG was at that point in time, right? This is back um, beginning in 2008 when I joined there. Um, and then I really learned about the value of, of understanding the consumer experience and omni-channel marketing while I was there. Um, ultimately, I was drawn back to the food business. It's probably because I'm a foodie and I really love to eat. Um, <laughs> and, and it definitely is a passion point. Um, and I joined Campbell's as the CMO. Um, and it was kind of a good fit and a good time ready to embark on a, you know, Campbell's was ready to embark on a digital journey and upgrade their marketing capabilities. Um, and my time away from that and it hurts, I think, really made it a, a good fit and, and probably made me better able to, uh, to help Campbell's on that journey. And then, um, and then now on to my own startup for the first time. So you've you've had uh you've had a lot of high profile positions. You know why make that move from big company, you know, big CPG to startup world? Yeah, it sounds a little crazy, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> so you know, I, I'll tell you what I've I've often thought about starting my own business, um, but it's always the timing wasn't right or the idea wasn't right. Um, I don't think I'm alone in that. I think a lot of people, you know, maybe have that have that fantasy from time to time. Um, but right now. Uh, with the food business trends shifting so rapidly, it's really a great time for startups. Um, a lot of the, the growth is coming from smaller companies. I got involved in this one um, when I tasted the products that, that my, uh, my now business partner, Kay Allison, had made. Um, I couldn't believe how good they tasted. Um, I see how much of the growth is coming from natural and health-oriented small companies. Um, so it just felt like the timing was really right, and it was a chance for me to to really test um, test my skills as, a, as an entrepreneur and, and kind of satisfy that burning passion. Well, you mentioned it. I mean, a lot of CPG innovations really coming from outside big CPG companies versus inside. Can you, you know, give us a little bit of insight into you know, the state of innovation in big CPG? You mentioned fresh and healthy, but artisan also seems to be something that's, that's coming, coming out. Yeah, it is. Um, 
you know, some of this I think is the big food company business model is is really about scale efficiency, right? They have had this unbelievable success building these big brands that were broadly appealing, that have high market share. Um, and, and I've had a, you know, certainly have, have had a great career being part of uh, many of those big brands. Um, but yeah, kind of as you noted, like a lot of the innovation, organic, fresh, healthy, artisan foods um, is coming from these smaller startups and not traditional big foods. So it's kind of a, a question of why. And, and I would say I think the biggest challenge is, um, is cons- changing consumer preferences. Mm-hmm. You know, when it comes to fresh and, and organic and natural and artisanal, I think we're finding consumers are more interested in these authentic startup companies um, that, that seem to feel like they connect with them from a value standpoint and a little less receptive to the big food brands extending into some of those spaces. It might be fair, um, might not be fair, but uh, but there's kind of an expectation that that some of the big process brands just don't authentically make an organic or fresh product, um, or or couldn't satisfy that. Um, so that's been a little bit of a, a, a challenge for the big companies. Um, on the other side, barriers to entry have been reduced. Right, supply chain and marketing are much easier for small companies to access. You know, the, the small businesses don't always fit in a big company because they're set up for scale. The kind of unique packages and products um, are a little harder to fit in and to, you know, to garner the resources that they might take over a long period of time. Um, so I think what's really happening with center store growth slowing, big food companies have moved, you know, they're certainly innovating, right, and trying new things, but they've also had to move to a lot of focus on efficiency um, to improve profits, right? The 3G acquisition of Heinz and then Kraft has has set a very aggressive bar on efficiency that that the industry has been following. Um, maybe not everybody to the same degree, but almost everybody's got a ZBB program and a margin expansion program in implementation. So the big companies see this, and what they're doing is oftentimes they're they're buying these startup companies once they get enough scale, right? General Mills bought Annie's um, a few years ago. Campbell's has bought Boltaus Farms and Plum and Garden Fresh. Mm-hmm. And secondly, they've established venture capital funds as a way in, right? Campbell's, General Mills, Kellogg's, they all have these venture funds that allow them to both see what's happening and access it and, and uh, um, access what's happening in the market and some of the innovation also potentially tap into it and then hopefully as time goes on and as they mature, you know, take ownership of some of those companies and really help them to drive growth. Right. And you mentioned ZBB and I just want to clarify for people that are listening who may not know that it's zero based budgeting. Uh, that was right, made famous. Budgeting. Yeah, made famous by three G capital. Um <laughs> <laughs> very famous and, and and starting at zero. <laughs> right. Every time. No run rates here, folks. So, uh, yeah, every time justifying every dollar that you're spending. So, well, tell us tell us a little bit about Farm and Oven and what type of snacks you're making and, um, and what's what's unique about it. Sure, sure. Uh, so, the idea was started by, by my partner, Kay Allison, who was trying to really find a way to get her daughter, who is a picky eater, to eat more vegetables. Um, I, I think so many of us can relate to that. Yeah. Um, I can. <laughs> uh, I can, although I think it's sometimes more me than my children. So, um, so I I like the products for me personally, and I'm okay with that. Uh, 
our mission at Farm and Oven is bringing joy to the healthy, right? So I've always been intrigued by making, you know, healthy a more positive and and less, um, you know, less painful experience, whether it's exercise, eating, lifestyle. Um, so the Farm and Oven Bakery Bites are these mouth-watering, moist little snack cakes. Um, each of them have two servings of vegetables and a daily dose of, pro of probiotics. Um, and so imagine eating healthier and really loving it. Um, what I like about it is getting rid of the judgment about whether you've been good or bad, right? Just eat great foods and, and you know, enjoy the, the, the fact that they have the right ingredients. Um, they're inspired by things you might recognize as being compatible with vegetables in some cases, like a zucchini lemon poppy seed um, flavor, a carrot, carrot cake and cinnamon, um, we have a, a, a pumpkin maple pecan, um, and then my favorite, which is the beet dark chocolate, um, because dark chocolate belongs in everything. Um, <laughs> I agree with that. I agree with that very much. So, well, when we last talked, you uh, you highlighted a channel strategy that was you, you were focusing purely on e-commerce. So, tell us about that. Yeah, so we're definitely prioritizing e-commerce first. Um, for a number of reasons, and I think that is a little bit unusual. Um, but th there are a, a few things that are really attractive about it. So first, our consumer target, which tends to be more health-oriented, um, tends to be a little younger, are, are have a greater propensity um, to shop online and to shop for food online. So, um, so it's kind of a, a good fit from that standpoint. Um, Secondly, e-commerce is really growing by leaps and bounds. Uh, I think everyone knows that. It's still on the smaller side, but, um, but it is growing, and it's growing even faster among the younger, health-oriented uh, consumer. Um, I, it's only about the latest estimates I've seen is probably only about 5% of sales today of food sales, right? Food is kind of the last place um, that is developing in e-commerce, but, um, but growing, you know, double-digit. Double um, I, I look to China um, and the development they have there. It's it's about three x the development of the U.S. in e-commerce food sales. So it is kind of easy to see where this trend is going. Um, that you know Amazon will look like Alibaba and the market will will follow the size I believe that China has achieved already um, and then some. You know, will it will it ever be fifty percent of sales? Um, Probably not, but will it be 20 or 25% of total food sales? Yes. And for brands like, like mine, it will probably be the biggest channel that, that is out there at some point in time. Um, but a couple other things that are really intriguing about it, the ability to adapt in e-commerce uh, is, is much greater, right? You can quickly adjust pricing and marketing strategies to optimize the proposition um, and in some ways, if it's a little wrong, we can get it all the way right and we can continue to refine that. Whereas when you go into retail brick and mortar, you're, you're a little bit locked into that strategy for a period of time. Right. Um, and then lastly, the economics are really, really favorable for a startup company in the CPG uh, space. We can get you know, more attractive margins. We have pricing control and a lot less working capital to get started. So definitely some limitations, um, but I love it as the lead channel for us to go into. Right. It sounds like a good lead channel just to work out, you know, your proposition. You know, like you said, you can modify pricing. You can potentially, you know, um, be faster at, at 
bringing new flavors or new new profiles to market if you wanted to do that. Um, so it sounds like a smart smart choice. Where are you right now in the life of this new venture? I know it's relatively recent, so tell us where you are and, and what's on the horizon. Yeah, so right now we're, um, I mean, we're, you know, we are early, um, but we are far along in product and packaging development. Um, we're getting ready for a national launch in e-commerce in August. Um, so, so crossing my fingers, it all goes well. Um, with the early production runs, we'll be we'll be on Amazon in August and uh, and ready for sale. Um, right now, Kay and I have self funded the venture, so we haven't taken any outside money at this point. Um, we do have a Kickstarter that is live, so I guess that's a little bit of outside money help, um, and it's off to a good start. Uh, and that'll that will help fund production costs for the first commercial run in July. Um, Definitely off to a good start. Would love the support of your listeners, Alan. So, you know, this will be my one plug. So <laughs> check it out. Definitely. Um, if if nothing else, you'll get to laugh at me in the video and and um, a little bit of a humiliation for me, but it may be worth it just for that. So, so have at it. Um, I'm not a... Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. I'm not above embarrassing myself if needed. Um, you know, we we might bring investors in later if we want to really accelerate the pace of innovation. Um, we've had some unsolicited interest, you know, but we're we're pretty early and want to kind of go it alone for now. Um, we'll use debt financing as needed for some of the working capital expansion, and and probably the decision to bring in investors will really be all about. Do we are we at a position where we want to go really fast and accelerate it, um, and and then it would be uh, great to have a little extra capital to do that. Right. So you're still in the early days, but you're past the really early days. You got a real product, um, real packaging, um, and starting to move on the production front. So what's uh, you know what's been the biggest challenge or or most fun so far? Um, so I'm going to start with fun because it's really been a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. um, it, it has been. And, you know, I don't know if this is just because I, it's maybe that pent up desire of wanting to try something like this and now getting to do it. Um, which, but what's really fun is you can just move so quickly, right? It's, yeah. I mean, when we need to make a decision, it's just the two of us, you know, and you make it and you go. Um, you know, we're testing, we're using, during the Kickstarter, we're doing some marketing to drive people to that. And we're testing different digital and social and email and, um, you know, marketing campaigns. And, and you can immediately change to whatever has the highest ROI communication um, within seconds. Whereas, um, you know, in other situations, it might be 
uh, we might give it a little more time, we might have more people involved. So I love that we're just making the changes quickly and, and figuring out what works. Um, I'm, I'm kind of a problem solver by nature, so having a new problem to solve every day is fun, right? <laughs> One day it's a supply chain issue, um, you know, another day it's a financial issue, another day it's a product issue, you know, guess what? There's a shortage of, of you know, organic zucchini and, um, <laughs> uh-oh, because uh, that's like, that's a really good flavor. Um, so what do we do, right? You, you ultimately solve them all, but, but it's uh, issues that someone else might have solved when I was working for a bigger company. Maybe it's a legal issue or, uh, you know, or whatever consumer issue of the day um, has come up. I, I would say the biggest challenge in what's different is, you know, there aren't other resources, right? It's, it, it is all you. And so it means that, you know, if, if I can or Kay can handle it ourselves, um, that's great. We just go do it. If not, um, then we've got to go find the right partners to do it. And so, you know, some of the work has been assembling a team of great external partners who are good at specialized areas that can really help us to build a business um, so that, you know, you can take on whatever you can take on. And then the things that you're just not good at, you outsource and get someone to do. And so that's been challenging but fun, um, mm -hmm. kind of cobbling that network of, of partners together. Right. And, you know, finding those partners when you're when you're small or when you're starting and you're trying to be scrappy, I think it puts an extra fine point on it. I don't know if you've noticed that. Um, it does. It does. It's um, I, I think uh, and, I, and I know you've done this, right? You've done right. Uh, a lot more startups than me. This is my first time at it. There's probably two things that are that are challenging with it. Right. One is one is you want to be very judicious with the spending mm -hmm. um, because you are starting up. You're not making any money yet, right? You, you don't want to get so far out um, in front of this thing that, that you've spent more money than you re can recover quickly. Um, the other challenge is, you know, you don't have the weight of the big company that everybody says, um, hey, I can't wait to talk to you, right? It's, you know, when you're calling from Campbell's or Kraft, um, someone is always answering that call on the other end when right. you're calling from this little company that nobody's ever heard of. Um, it's like, what's your website? So you, you, you do have to kind of hustle and find those and do a lot of networking to find the right connections. Right. Right. The good news is there are a lot of good people out there and they recommend other good people. So that's been, it's been really a lot of fun kind of putting that together. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree that it's a good, once you find, couple good people they know more good people so it's, right, exactly uh, it's, uh, it's funny how that works but one of the things I like to do with each person that comes on the show is kind of get to know them as a person too so stepping back from the day job and, and running this new startup was there a moment in your life that defined who you've become kind of a deep wow, question that is a deep that is a deep question and I'm sitting here thinking of uh a hundred different moments, and are any of them really big enough? Um, you know what I, you know what I would have to say though. There, there. Um, I think one moment that may be defining for me personally and professionally is during during my wife's second pregnancy. Um, she needed to be hospitalized for several months, right towards the, the like back third of the pregnancy. Um, so here I was in the midst of developing a strategic plan for the Swanson Broth business readying this new breakthrough packaging innovation that we were going to bring to market, um, having to deliver the quarterly numbers, right, the day job, if you will, and then suddenly a single dad, at least temporarily, because um, we didn't have daycare or anything, so I'm calling in all kinds of favors on who's going to watch the who's going to watch my, my three-year-old and, um, right. you know, kind of working through all those things. But, but what, you know, what, 
what happened during that is that's when I really learned how to prioritize uh, the most important things in both life and in business. Um, I certainly learned a lot more um, about the importance of life balance. Um, and it doesn't mean that you, you don't work hard and work a lot. It just means you have to find the time for the things that are really, really important, right? The time for me to spend with my three-year-old, the time for me to get over to the hospital became important. But, mm -hmm. but it didn't mean that I could only work, you know, it didn't mean I had less hours that I could work every day, right? right. Or that stuff couldn't get done. Um, so it definitely, it definitely made me a better dad. Um, but from a business perspective, I think it really taught me how to put the most energy behind the biggest ideas. Mm. Um, you know, you really, you, you start to learn that you have so many things that can be done. Um, which ones do you want to put a lot of energy behind that can make the biggest impact? You know, we can't do everything well, but we can do anything well. Um, and so the, the real challenge is pick the most important anything and go after it, right? So we picked a few big things that I, that I focused on and had a great year on the business. Um, and, uh, and life all worked out. So not bad. Oh, that's good. That's good. Well, what keeps you motivated today? I mean, you, you've got a lot, I guess, uh, in this new startup, but is there anything you can point to? Makes um, you get up in the morning? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was just going to say I get up in the morning and I, and I check the Kickstarter to see if, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what are we up to now? It, it's kind of like, I don't have daily, I don't have daily sales numbers yet. So that's, that's the closest I've got, right? So that's my check. But um, you know what I'm what I'm really passionate about is building businesses. I mean, that is what I have always loved, and in some ways, having your own is um, is is maybe the ultimate expression of that, right? Um, I'm always looking at ways to measure growth and value creation, right? I talked about the measurement just a second ago. Um, you know, it was you know it, it was doubling the stock price at Hertz and increasing the stock by eighty percent at Campbell's, turning Nabisco around. You know, building a sustainable business model, launching hundred million dollar platforms. So those are those to me, those building blocks and and really if it's a if it's a business that's not doing well, making it better, if it's doing well, going from good to great, if it's new, turning it into a thriving enterprise. Um, that's really what I love doing. I love building businesses. And you know, right now I'm just having a great time building this, um, you know, partnering with Kay and and um and kind of getting it up and off the ground and you know we'll we'll see where it goes i feel very optimistic about it we've got great concept scores um i love the product personally and so that's a that's a, always a good thing um i can't actually wait for our next production run because i'm out of it at my house now so i <laughs> just for my own personal consumption right well. right right exactly well um you know i've noticed that marketers are usually students of the business and um as as students they tend to you know, monitor the outside world, you know, potential brands that they like or companies that they follow, you know, are there any that come to mind for you? You know, um, I'll give you two things that are, um, I mean, farm and oven, of course, right? So, right. Of you know, course. Right, right. I assume that was your, yeah. I assume that was what you were leading to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, in terms of things that, that, that I'm, I'm kind of paying attention to right now. Um, one of them, one of them that I'm watching is La Cologne coffee, um, coffee shops. It's a, it's a local favorite in Philly. But it's now backed by by Hamdi, who built Chobani into a billion dollar brand. So I'm really interested in seeing where that goes, um, and and does the the magic of Chobani translate into this great coffee product, um, you know, and and where that goes. So it's kind of intriguing to me to see uh, 
see where an entrepreneur takes it uh, the second time because he's had some pretty cool success. Um, the other one that, that uh, I feel like it's the billion dollar brand that was under the radar is Chewy.com is one of the okay. fastest businesses to a billion dollars. Um, yeah. I think they're now a billion. I could be wrong. But I, I just look at, you know, with e-commerce exploding, here's a business that has become kind of the, the Amazon of the pet industry and just um, went from nothing to enormous. And I'm just interested in where that goes and maybe who's next in that space, right? So certainly Amazon is enormous. You know, Walmart bought Jet. Um, you've got Fresh Direct doing a lot of expansion in the in the Northeast. It'd just be interesting to see where that whole segment goes. But um, but I think Chewy is pretty inspirational. Yeah, that my Chewy box shows up every month for uh, prescription cat food of all things. <laughs> prescription cat food. Prescription cat food. Yeah, yeah. It's a pain to get at a, a, a physical store. So it, um, yeah. People, we will do anything for our pets. Right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I could go on and on about our all our our pet issues. <laughs> I, I someday hope to have the same status that my pets have in the household. So. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. My my last dog had an orthopedic surgeon. Uh, I've never had an orthopedic surgeon myself. So, oh my it's, goodness, it's wow. amazing, it's amazing. So, last question. Um, you know, what do you think the future of marketing holds? Where do you think it's going? Uh, I w first, I would say this is like one of the most exciting times for marketers, um, but but also the most complex, right? Would it would an unbelievable change today versus you know thirty years ago when you know when when guys like me were starting out in the business? Um, but one of the areas that I see really cool and continued advancement in is is the personalization and automation of personalization, right? Especially. The intersection of of the two, enabled by technology, um, you know, AI, machine learning, usable data analytics are are making it, you know, are making automation at a very personalized level um, more of a reality. Um, you know, driving fast, efficient consumer content and being able to have machines take care of that for us, if you will. Um, and and the cool thing is, even for big mass marketers. Um, you know, it's always been that what you've always wanted to do was segment, right? Get down to the mm -hmm. tightest, most relevant segment you can. And, you know, even people that have, have, you know, tens of millions of consumers can, are getting closer to getting down to that one-to-one -one personalized message and having the, you know, the, the technological capability of reaching it because no one person could ever physically do that themselves. Um, that's kind of marketing nirvana. It's pretty cool. Okay. Well, Mike, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Hey, Alan, thank you. It was great being here, and um, let's stay in touch. Marketing Today is brought to you by Atomic. Atomic focuses on unleashing the growth potential for clients we serve. Atomic is a strategic consultancy specializing in business, marketing, brand, and innovation. Our singular goal is to help you accelerate your efforts with the right mix of expertise, analysis, and creativity. Check us out at atomic.com. A-T-O-M-C-K.com. Hi, it's Alan again. Marketing Today was created and produced by me, with project management by Sarah Williams, audio production by Aaron Campbell, writing and editing by Kevin Greeley, 
Social media support by Megan Woods. Art and graphic design by Sarah Dell. If you're new to marketing today, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends and colleagues about the show. We love to hear from listeners at info at atomic, A-T-O-M-C-K dot com. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.